This is No Commons, and I'm your host, Janice Geary. Normally, this is the podcast where I am talking to experts across diverse fields about how they think the infamous idea of the tragedy of the commons can help tackle big problems of how we govern shared resources. But today, I'm just talking to myself. I've been really busy with work and haven't had a chance to get another round of interviewees, so I thought for a change today, I would chat a little bit about a topic that really inspired this podcast in the first place. So I'm calling this episode The Tragedy of Academic Referencing. Of course, one of the biggest challenges I have with how Garrett Hardin's paper is referenced is how frequently it is cited as evidence that humans have a hard time managing shared resources. So many times when you see his paper referenced in an academic study or just in general, they refer to Hardin as demonstrating or showing or proving that the tragedy of the commons is a problem. And of course, when you read Hardin's actual paper, there's no evidence in the paper whatsoever. It's an essay. So he doesn't demonstrate or prove or show anything. He suggests that this is a phenomenon. He's not even really talking about how to govern shared resources, as I've touched on before in this podcast, he's talking about why we should limit the freedom to breed. And it's 1700 words or so into his paper where he even mentions the shared pasture that so often gets referred to. And he writes it like this, picture a pasture open to all. It is to be expected that each herdsman will try to keep as many cattle as possible on the commons. Such an arrangement may work reasonably satisfactorily for centuries because tribal wars, poaching, and disease keep the numbers of both man and beast well below the carrying capacity of the land. Finally, however, comes the day of reckoning, that is, the day when the long-desired goal of social stability becomes a reality. At this point, the inherent logic of the commons remorselessly generates tragedy. So that's the extent to which he describes that example that's so often referred to in the literature and the imaging that's used to demonstrate what Hardin was talking about in this paper. So that's the first thing that annoys me about academic referencing in relation to Garrett Hardin's paper. I don't know how this gets past so many editors. I feel like that's a call to action that we can do a little bit better in calling people out when they reference this paper as evidence of something. If you really feel the need to reference it, I think that's fine, but it's not evidence. And because this paper is so famous, it really surprises me that so many people don't understand what it's actually about and continue to cite it as evidence. I have a theory I think I've shared I don't think many people actually read this paper. I think there's a lot of people who have not that still cite it. That's a broader problem I'm going to get to as my third point for this episode. But my second point that really annoys me about referencing in relation to Garrett Hardin's paper is the referencing that Garrett Hardin actually does himself within this paper. And there's a couple sections of this paper that I think that if people had actually read it, they might feel really gross about some of the claims that he's making. As another bit of evidence that I don't think people really read this paper, I also don't think people really verify the the references in what they are reading, if, if they are even reading this paper in particular, because there are some really egregious examples of very shoddy support in in the references that are used. So I'm going to give an example of a really gross thing that Garrett Hardin says and the reference he uses to support that. So he writes, 
in a welfare state, how shall we deal with the family, the religion, the race, or the class, or indeed any distinguishable and cohesive group that adopts overbreeding as a policy to secure its own aggrandizement? So remember, this whole paper is really about how Garrett Hardin thinks there are particular people that we should limit the freedom to breed from. And he makes this statement and he references it. He actually references a paper I'm using the word paper very loosely, but he references something that he wrote himself. That article is called A Second Sermon on the Mount. And it starts off with these two sentences. Blessed are they that shun reason and praise mercy, for they shall bury those who are both reasonable and merciful. Blessed are they that observe the taboos against speaking the truth, for they shall perish like sitting ducks. That's the actual opening to the paper that he's using to justify the statement that he made that there are groups of people that adopt overbreeding to secure their own aggrandizement. So I think that if people paid more attention to claims that are made in articles they're reading, and this very famous article in particular, they might question a little bit more about the veracity of the claims in those papers. And I think in general, academics are overworked and pushed to publish quite a lot and often don't take the time to carefully review the works that they're citing. But I think that that is something that we really need to do a lot better on. And you see this in a lot of other disciplines as well. So I mean, I guess point three of this short podcast episode is that I think in general, academics aren't doing a good enough job of reading papers that they're citing. And I think we need to do a lot better. And as a couple of examples from the work that I've done in public health research that addresses community concerns about a common stomach infection, there are a couple claims that we often see in the literature that are cited. They're, they're referenced claims, but when you actually try to, to dig into them, it's impossible to find a, a source or an original reference that actually supports that claim. And it's kind of I liken it to sort of being like an academic telephone game where the original message has been distorted and it gets changed as it gets as it gets passed along of the different papers and it no longer resembles the original message of the original paper. So the, the claims that we often see in H. pylori research um, are the first one is that approximately 50% of the world's population are estimated to have H. pylori infection. And when we started digging into that, we actually couldn't find a good population-based estimate of that. So it's not a supported estimate. We know that there are lots of studies from around the world that estimate what the population prevalence of H. pylori is in groups you know, all over, but there's none that point to that specific 50%. So that's problematic. And it's so frequently cited, it's sort of taken for granted that it's a truth, but there actually isn't a good reference that supports that. And the, the second one that we often see in H. pylori research is that approximately 1% of people who have H. pylori infection will go on to get stomach cancer. And it's completely true that stomach cancer is um, known to be caused by H. pylori infection, that that infection does increase your risk of stomach cancer. But as it turns out, there actually isn't a really good estimate of how often that happens or what the increased disease burden is. So that 1% isn't actually supported by any evidence, but it's cited so often that people kind of just take it as a given. So I, I guess my main message that I'm sharing to you in this quick episode is that I, I hope you pay a little bit more attention 
to the the things that you're referencing and the the sources that are providing validity and legitimacy to any kind of assertions or statements that you come across, especially if you're in academia. I, I think that we have a responsibility to do that, and we definitely don't do it enough. That's all I have for you this week. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope to be back soon with more interviews with experts who are writing about the tragedy of the commons. In the meantime, if you have any ideas for episodes or people that I could interview, drop me a line on my website contact page or find me on Twitter at NoCommons. Thank you.